Welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV, the classic TV podcast which remembers and celebrates all things and everything classic TV. Today, as we continue our look back at 1960s television, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to focus on a TV show or a TV character or anything about music. Instead, today, we're going to take a look at John F. Kennedy and the fact that he was our first TV president, in the words of Bob Schieffer. Bob Schieffer, of course, the longtime CBS news reporter and anchor who retired several years ago, called him our first TV president. And that's what we want to look at today, the fact that he was the first president to really focus on and use the medium of television to not only his advantage, but ours as well. And to see why does he have such a strong hold on us as a society and as a country almost 60 years after his death, because he is still more popular than ever. I mean, all you have to do is go to YouTube. You can go to TikTok, Instagram. I mean, eBay, the local library, the local bookstore. I mean, he is still very very well known. I mean, he's one president. I mean, you can pretty much bring up his name and no one does not know who you're talking about. I remember watching a movie. I think this is probably around 2002. I cannot think of the movie's name, but it was about a high school, high school kids. And they were saying, uh, this boy was asking this girl, which president are you going to do your report on? And she said, probably Kennedy. Kennedy was cute. So, I mean, he is definitely still a very intricate part of society to to this very day. Now, there are other presidents who are also still, you know, very much discussed and respected and beloved. But Kennedy just seems to stand apart from all the rest. And we want to take a look at why that is. And also, like I said, the fact that how he became the very first TV president. Of course, John F. Kennedy announced his candidacy in 1960. He ran against Richard Nixon. His election to the presidency that fall to this very day still holds the record as um, the election that was decided by the smallest, slimmest margin in American history. Now, speaking of the election uh, or the um, Yes, the election between he and Nixon and the fact that they ran against one another in 1960. All four debates of the Kennedy, um, of the debates between Nixon and Kennedy are on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. And the very first one is the one that people talk about the most because that was definitely a game changer within the campaign. Now, Kennedy rested that entire day. He took his advisor's recommendation, their advice, his family's advice. He rested the entire day. And that's why he looked so refreshed and tanned. And he was just so prepared for television, for the debate. Because he knew about the power of television. He was a newsman newsman back in the 40s for a while. And he knew the power of television. He knew just how television could and would work for him if used effectively. Nixon, on the other hand, had been campaigning all day. He had was recovering from a knee injury, if I recall. And he looked very uncomfortable on camera. He looked tired. He looked very 
withdrawn, very worn out. He was sweating. And the suit that he was wearing, it just was not a good fit, especially for black and white TV. He was wearing like a gray suit. Kennedy was wearing a dark suit. And that gray suit blending in with the black and white, it just it just was not a good look. Now, I will say to his credit, as time went on, Nixon did get better during the debate. But he still did not look comfortable. Kennedy, on the other hand, was totally in this element. And he looked absolutely fantastic. He did not stumble over any of the questions he was asked. He didn't stumble over any of his opening or closing statements. He was very prepared for the debate, and he knew what he was talking about, and he looked very, very handsome. He was a very, very attractive man, very good-looking. He's very intelligent as it was. He could read up to 1,200 words a minute. He was very knowledgeable, and he really knew how to captivate the people's attention. He knew how to really grab their attention when he spoke and with his appearance and just the way he carried himself. And he used that to his advantage. And um, Nixon, on the other hand, never was comfortable with TV or the press or debating. Um, the two elections that he, you know, was involved in, uh, you know, where he actually won in 68 and 72, he refused to debate his running mates, because, not running mates, his opponents, rather, because he remembered the debacle of 1960 and he was not going to put himself in that position of being involved in any more debates. But um, John F. Kennedy knew, like I said, what television brought to the table. Now, by 1960, 90% of homes, all homes, had a television. Now, TV was still pretty young. It was still somewhat in its early stages. Our family, as a matter of fact, did uh, they had just gotten their first TV as recently as 1957. So they, only had, they had only had a TV for three years at this point. But they were all in for Kennedy. And I must say, our family absolutely adored John F. Kennedy. We were raised in a family where we were exposed to him at a very, very early age. Our grandmother had a picture of John F. Kennedy along with all of the other family members, all the relatives, all the family. His picture was right there with all of ours, along with the picture of his brother Bobby and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But the Kennedy picture, for some reason, to me, stood out the most. And I remember seeing that picture as a little kid, a very little small girl. By the time I was nine, though, I really began to pay a lot of attention to him. I began to really fixate on him tremendously. That was the year of the election between Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan. And although I did have an interest in that election, in that campaign, I had just pretty much gotten really, really into Kennedy at that point. I mean, I checked out every book in the library at school. I went to the college library where my mom worked and I checked out every book over there. And I just devoured everything I could get my hands on about John F. Kennedy. So yes, we go back with this man a very, very long ways, the two of us. Um, he was a flawed man. Um, so he definitely was not perfect. There were things within his presidency and within his personal life that were kept secret for many years that have since come to light. But um, he was a good president, in our opinion. You know, he had a lot of good plans for not only the country, but for the world, for the people within it. 
Um, sadly, he is the president that um, within modern history who really did have an ending. Now, some people are going to say, oh, well, yeah, he had an ending. He was assassinated. But I'm not talking about that kind of an ending. I'm talking about the fact that he did get to finish out his time in office. He didn't get to at least have one full term in office. And how differently things would have been maybe had he at least been in office for four years. Not to mention had he been in office for a full two terms, eight years. How different would the country and the world be even today? So there's always that what if attached to Kennedy, to President Kennedy, which that's what our family still to this day calls him, President Kennedy. Not John F. Kennedy, not John Kennedy, not Jack Kennedy, not JFK, President Kennedy, and nothing else. But how would things have been had he lived longer? You know, how would things have gone in Vietnam? How about his domestic policies and his domestic programs? How would those have unfolded? What else would he have done domestically? Uh, what about the Peace Corps? How much further would it have exploded had he lived longer? And on, his per, on a personal note, would he and Jackie, would they have had more kids? Because, you know, they lost a little boy, Patrick, a few months before his assassination. So would they have had more children? How would it have been... For him to finish raising John and Caroline. So there's always that what if that's attached to John F. Kennedy. That will always be there. I think that's one reason why we're so captivated by him. And that he has such a very strong hold on us as a society and as a people and as a nation still. And I must admit that one reason why his hold is so strong upon us is the way that he died. His assassination. There are so many books about the assassination. There's so many conspiracy theories. I mean, the museum in Dallas gets so many visitors per year. Um, that's another reason why the Kennedy fascination and obsession continues because of the fact that we don't know who all was behind his assassination. I mean, we know about the Warren Commission's findings. But a lot of people don't agree with that, don't believe that. A lot of people have other thoughts and opinions and ideas. And that, too, keeps his memory so alive and so well after all of these many, many decades. But, again, he was definitely the very first TV president, as Bob Schieffer said. I completely agree with that. I mean, he was the first president, not only with the debates in 1960, but he went on Face the Nation same year, and he also visited The Tonight Show when Jack Parr was host in 1960 as well. All of this is on YouTube. You can check out Face the Nation. You can check out his Jack Parr appearance, Tonight Show appearance, because in those days, major politicians did not appear on late night TV programs. That was not the norm. And uh, he went on The Tonight Show, and he really got a lot of people's attention. He got people talking, and he started to get noticed. And so uh, people were really excited about him because he was definitely – there was so much enthusiasm with Kennedy. I mean, there was a lot of hope and, and a lot of positivity, a lot of encouragement, and just a lot of motivation and just change. He was all about change. His platform was called The New Frontier. So he was about moving ahead and – optimism, excitement, just something new. I mean, just he and his family, they were just so different. 
from the presidents that have been in office in recent years. I mean, you know, he had this beautiful, cultured, sophisticated wife who could speak Spanish and French and Italian. And she was a fashion icon, and she still is today, almost 30 years after her death. And they had the two little adorable children, Caroline and John. You'd see Caroline on her pony, Macaroni, and little John, and he was always running around, and, and you know, he was just so it's such, such an adorable, cute little boy. And so they look like movie stars. They just were royalty, American royalty. I mean, Jack and Jackie were literally like a king and queen in this country. And yes, you watch the Dick Van Dyke show, you watch Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore, you see them. They did look a lot like Jack and Jackie Kennedy. And so, yeah, they were just something different. And they still are something different all these years later. They were just the whole package. Um, But he was the first president to conduct live press conferences. Now, Harry Truman did a press conference here and there, as did Eisenhower. But their press conferences were scripted. I mean, they were pre-planned ahead of time. They were prepared. Kennedy's were live, as I said, and they were unscripted. There was no teleprompter, no cue cards, no nothing. I mean, he had his notes. He'd go in there and talk to the press, and he would update them, and he had his notes there. But when it came to the questions that he was asked by the press, I mean, he was unprepared for what they would ask him. I mean, he didn't know in advance what he would be asked. He, you know, had no prior knowledge of any kind of questions or topics or subjects, none of that. I mean, it was all basically just him answering these questions. And he always did a superb job of it. He never stumbled over his words. He was very intelligent, direct, authoritative. He really captures your attention when you look at these press conferences. You can go to YouTube and see almost all of them. You're going to go to the Kennedy Library website and get transcripts for all of them. I think they also have video of the press conferences as well. There's a video I bought back in the 90s. Um, It's called Thank You, Mr. President. It's hosted by E.G. Marshall. And it basically just really encompasses the press conferences the Kennedy press conferences. It's on YouTube, this program is, and I highly recommend watching it because it really does show you what his press conferences were all about. Now, our mom would tell us that she'd always run to the TV when she knew that President Kennedy was coming on to a press conference. She'd run to the TV. She couldn't wait to see those press conferences. And that was a lot of people. Because, I mean, like I said, there was something new. Live press conferences, and he always conducted and handled them so efficiently so very, very well. He did an average of one every 16 days. Now, there were none done during the Cuban Missile Crisis um, situation, which, of course, that's totally understandable. The first one aired on the 25th of January, 1961. An estimated 65 million people watched that very first press conference. There were no edits in his press conferences, no delays. Um, Everything was just really off the cuff. And that's what makes him so fascinating because it was, this was a first. No president before had done anything like this. And he did it brilliantly. I mean, he was engaging. He was charming, witty, relatable, youthful, energetic. I mean, and the wit, the Kennedy wit is legendary. The thing about him is that he knew when to invoke humor 
into a situation, into a speech, into a press conference. He knew when to invoke humor. He was brilliant about that. He was not silly. There's a difference between being funny or being witty, rather, and being silly. He was not silly. He didn't make everything, didn't didn't turn everything into a joke. He knew when to be humorous, when to be witty, and he did it always at the perfect time. He was impeccable when it came to his wit. And he just really inspired a lot of people. He's inspiring. He's still inspiring people even to this day, all these years later. I mean, he had a charisma and he was articulate, intelligent. He had, he was so youthful. He was the youngest president elected at 43 years old. The youngest president to take office was Teddy Roosevelt at 42, but he was the youngest to be elected. I mean, he really wanted to lift up Americans. He wanted equal rights and opportunities for all Americans. He wanted that for not only Americans, but for, you know, people around the world, both here and abroad. He wanted to, I mean, he accepted responsibility, for example, with the Bay of Pigs. That was a big debacle for him early on. He accepted responsibility. And with that press conference afterwards, that was probably the most vulnerable he was at a press conference. But he was still very sure of himself. He was still confident. But he also took responsibility for his mistakes and for his actions. So he was very good about doing that as well. Um, I know in 1961, the Radio and TV New Directors Association presented him with its highest honor, being the Paul White Award, in recognition for his open relationship with the media, because he had a very open relationship with the media. He was a media darling. They loved Kennedy. And he enjoyed having them around as well. They had a great relationship. They had a great rapport. And um, his presidency to this day is still seen as being a brief, brilliant, shining moment in American history. And even to this day, I mean, you know, when you do a poll on the presidents and favorite presidents and best presidents, he still ranks very, very high. And that's coming from people who were not even alive when he was president. Those of us who missed the Camelot era. You know, I... No, when I was in high school, when we were both in high school, we were very captivated by the whole Kennedy era. So were our classmates. I mean, I know when I was in high school, we took American history. They couldn't, the kids couldn't wait to get to Kennedy. Couldn't wait to get to the 1960s to specifically study about Kennedy. And with all my Kennedy, prior Kennedy knowledge, I did not say anything really in class. I just let the other kids just pretty much have the floor. I listened to them talk and ask questions, and we got to watch all these movies and documentaries about him, and I just just sat sat there and just kind of just, you know, listened to them. I didn't say very much on purpose because I didn't want to come off as being a know-it-all. That would have been very annoying, and also it would have been pretty much disrespectful. It would have taken away from the study of President Kennedy, quite frankly, and I didn't want to do that. But uh, I tell you, like I said, so many people my age, you know, um, friends, family, we all have had a an interest in, in John F. Kennedy. You know, um, there's a fascination with him um, in our within our generation. You know, we were the ones who came along after his, you know, assassination, and we were the ones who were born within. Um, like I was born eight years later. And so we all came, a lot of us came along within 10 years after his assassination. And there's just this fascination about what, what, what we missed out on. 
Because we did miss out on something pretty special, I must admit. We did miss out on something really, really uniquely beautiful. Something that um, was very special, still very special today. And we've been captivated by that, I must say. That's why we're doing this episode right now. But we're also doing it for those of you who remember the Kennedy presidency and the era of Camelot. Those of you who grew up with it, those of you who may have been adults during it, this episode is also for you as well. So it's not just for those of us who came along later, it's for those of you who remember it. But uh, President Kennedy, I tell you, um, definitely one of our favorite presidents. And like I said, our family beyond devastated when he was assassinated. They took that very, 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 very hard. I remember one time that we went to we went to San Antonio on a family trip, and the two of us we wanted to go to the, um, you know, we wanted to go to Dealey Plaza. We wanted to see where you know where President Kennedy was shot. Our mom and her brothers they just they just they did not want to do it. They got so quiet in the car, and it was kind of like like what is the big deal? What is wrong with y'all? And then it just, it kind of just hit us both kind of simultaneously that they just, they didn't want to go see that. And so we just dropped the whole, we we dropped the subject. We just didn't bring it up anymore. We just, you know, because they lived during his assassination. We, they lived through his assassination and they didn't take it well. And they definitely were not up to seeing where he was shot. And I'm glad that we realized that. So, you know, we, you could just leave them alone about it and stop kind of badgering them because you know, they, they, they were not taking it very, very well. But that museum, uh, of course, it's a museum now. It's in, in Dallas. It's many, many visitors. And uh, as does the Kennedy Library in Boston, as does um, John F. Kennedy's grave um, at Arlington National Cemetery. So, you know, he's still very popular amongst those of us who came along after his presidency. Um, and he's just, um, he's just someone who just really has a very strong hold upon us as a people and as a nation and as a society. And like I said, a lot of that has to do with, like I said, the, the leader that he was, I mean, there's so much that he wanted to do and the way that he carried himself during the Cuban Missile Crisis, the way that he handled that. The way he didn't lose his cool, the way he didn't let other people who were more experienced and older boss him around and tell him what to do, the way that he spoke out about civil rights, what people complained, it took him too long to do so, but I mean, when he did it, he did it very effectively, and he wrote the civil rights bill right after he made that speech in June of 63, um, supporting civil rights. So... Uh, you have a lot of, like I said, he, he definitely, he wasn't in office for very long, only for about a thousand days, but he did do as much as he could and he would have done a lot more. If you listen to those press conferences that he did, he was talking about plans that he had that would have affected the country in 1970, 1975. He mentions this in his press conferences and it, it, it does bring up a note of sadness about what would have happened had he stayed, you know, with us a while longer. But what a legacy he still has. All this time in office was cut short and was far, far too brief. He still has an amazing legacy that is alive and well today and that is definitely not going anywhere. So we want to do this episode as we continued our journey through the 1960s and 1960s television. He definitely was a big part of that. 
because he was on television frequently. And uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, that's what makes it all so, you know, so, so different with him. The fact that via him being on TV so often, he, the people, you know, um, the country was able to relate to him so well and identify with him and his family so well, unlike any other president before, really, because he personalized the presidency by being on TV so much. I mean, there's an interview that he did with Huntley Brinkley in uh, the fall of 63. There are outtakes of that interview over on YouTube, and he actually wants to redo wanted to redo some of the answers that he gave on Vietnam. Again, he knew the power of the medium of television. That's why he wanted to redo his answers about Vietnam, and he requested to do some retakes. And again, this too is on YouTube. Also, his interview with Walter Cronkite, he also did around that same time, September of 63, that too, on YouTube. So he was always on television. And uh, that's why, like I said, um, the country felt so close to him, so connected to him, as well as his family. And that's why his assassination was all the more devastating because people felt that personal connection to him that they really hadn't had to any other president prior to him. And also, if you've never heard, Von Meter was a Kennedy impressionist. He was really good at impersonating the president and he uh, released two albums during the Kennedy administration, during uh, the Kennedy era. The first one, called The First Family, was a big, big monster hit. No album had sold that many copies ever in history. And that was a record that actually was uh, not eclipsed until three years later with the soundtrack with The Sound of Music. The album won a Grammy. It is available for listening over on YouTube. It's entirety. Both albums are. That first album, though, that was the big, big smash. And, of course, um, if you're a Kennedy admirer or fanatic or if you just have an interest in him at all that album is definitely worth a listen because it is fascinating to step back and listen to that album which was released in 1962 and to see exactly how popular this president and his family were to the point that there is an album released two albums about you know his presidency i mean there were paper dolls and there were coloring books and all the magazines that had them on the cover. I mean, it, it was really, really incredible to see this for the very first time with a president, not a movie star, but a president and his wife and children receiving this kind of attention. So it definitely revolutionized not only the presidency, but television itself and media. Um, so yeah, it, it just was something we wanted to bring to you today. We've been working on this for a while and look forward to doing it. And with the 60th anniversary of his assassination coming up later this year, we'll have an episode about that around that time because his assassination definitely transformed and revolutionized television news. So we'll definitely have an episode about that coming up in November. This episode, we have been working on it for a while. I was kind of nervous about bringing it to you because I didn't want to bungle it. You know, um, my sister had all the faith in me in the world. You know, she really helped me put it all together, put a lot of you know research into it. Um, but she, you know, I'm always the one who delivers the episodes you know, who brings them to you. It's my voice that you hear. 
And I was really nervous about this one. I hope I did a good job. I hope that you all enjoy listening to this episode about President Kennedy and his effective on uh, television and uh, the media in general and, you know, society, both then and now. And, of course, in the future, no doubt. But um, we're going to bring this episode to a close as we took a look back at President Kennedy, which was, was our honor to do. And, by the way, when we were... Cleaning up recently, we went to our family home to do a little bit of cleaning, a little bit of digging around. We found a book that our grandmother, we never knew that she had. It was a book written by Hugh Sidey or Sidey, S-I-D-E-Y. It was probably the first biography uh, released about the president following his assassination. It was released in 1964. And we didn't know that she had the book. My sister decided that I should be the one to have it. She gave it to me. Of course, it's still hers as well, so we're sharing it, but it's in my possession. And we both feel really honored and privileged to have that book. Didn't know that she bought it, not a surprise, though, because she, like the whole family, loved John F. Kennedy beyond words, or President Kennedy, as they called him, only. Um, so it's an honor to have this book. Really, really beyond honored to have it, um, you know, in our collection. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, like I said, we hope that you, um, enjoy this episode as we take a look back or took a look back at President Kennedy today. Um, one other point I wanted to bring up, I can't remember what it was, something else that was very personal, something about, um, our family in regard to him, but I can't remember what it was. Unfortunately, I hate to say that I can't remember the other point I wanted to bring out, probably remember it later unfortunately but um yes like I said this book like I said having this book and not knowing that um you know she bought it having it is like I said just something extra special so uh yes thank you for joining us for this episode to Sisters and TV Thank you for all of our wonderful followers of this podcast don't forget to if you haven't done so Smash that follow button and follow this podcast. Join our group of followers. Because without all of you, I tell you, doing this podcast would um, take on a completely different tone altogether. It wouldn't be nearly as fun to not have you out there experiencing the journey right along with us. Also, leave us a rating or a review if you like. We would love that as well. We'll have a brand new episode coming up later in the week or early next week. Thank you again for joining us today, and we will see you on the next episode.